Well, good morning. Uh, we have any coveters in here? What? I mean, it's easy to ask about the weather. I want to get right down to it, man. Do we have any coveters in here? Do we have anybody who loves coveting other people's stuff? All right, we got some honest people, and we got some other people who are like, where is this going? Where's Pastor Gale? I hope he's back soon. Well, he will be the next week. We will be closing out uh, the As For Me series next week. Um, but today we are wrapping up kind of the Ten Commandments. Uh, we've been looking at the last several weeks of really building a strong foundation, building a, a foundation based upon these truths that God gave us in Scripture. And so today we are looking at commandment number 10. Uh, commandment number 10 says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, I don't know how much more clear could, God could make this, but under no circumstances is it allowable to desire, to want, to go after anything that is your neighbor's, anything that is not yours. All right? It's pretty clear in Scripture. Now, what's interesting as we've been going through, now we have synthesized kind of some of these commandments into, in you know, we've kind of bundled a couple of them together. And, but it's interesting over the, the Ten Commandments, we've got the first four that really deal with our relationship with God. We have the first four deal with our relationship with God. God wants us to put them first. He doesn't want us to have any other idol in our life. He want, does not want us to misuse his name. He, did, he wants us to keep holy the Sabbath. These are things that, that allow our relationship with God to be number one. Now, the next six really deal with our relationship with each other. And so we get commandments like to honor our parents, to not murder. Mm, that deals with others, right? No adultery, no stealing, no false testimony or lying. But it's interesting that in this one, number 10, the last one that we're going to be talking about, this one really deals with things that people can't see. Because people can see us honoring our parents. People can see us or feel us murdering or adultery or stealing or lying. But this one, God goes right to the heart of the issue and says, now wait a minute, this one, I don't want you to do these things because out of this one can flow the rest. You can act upon these other things because of this desire to have what's not yours. But God's saying, I don't even want you to do that. You see, so because it's not outwardly evident, others can't hold us accountable. You know, it's not, it's not enforceable by others. You see what I'm saying? So, ultimately, this one here is really, truly an issue of the heart. And when we want things, desire things, go after things that are not ours, our heart is not after the things of God. These things, these desires, these wants are first and God's not. Now, let me give you an example. It'd be easy for us. A lot of times we we want these things and we we can start making deals with, well, if I just had this, here's how I would use it. And, and, and it's all well, fine, and good, except that none of it's usually true. You know, we can read a verse like John 15, 7. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. 
Well, Lord, let me just tell you what I'm going to ask for because this is how I'm going to bear fruit too with this brand new car. I'm going to pick up some people who, who don't have car or can't get out or whatever, and I'm going to drive them to their doctor's appointments. And I'm going to pick up food for like, the homeless people and go deliver it to them. I'm going to do all, and when Meals on Wheels rolls around, it's going to be Meals on my wheels. I'm going to take it. I need the new car, the, the nice one. The, you, know, you know the one, God, it's real fast. I, I, can, I can deliver meals in half the time or deliver twice as many meals as I normally do. Lord, the, the new car. What about the new house? Well, Lord, you know we've been talking about a lot of homeless people at church. I, mean, I, can, I could house some homeless. But really, you know, Lord, if you're not real homeless, you know, not the real, real homeless. I'm talking about like people just kind of misplaced for like a week or so. Yeah, I can honor you with my home if you just help me to get this bigger place. Boy, we can really do some kingdom work, you and me, God. She hooked me up. You see, the problem is, though, is we know that it's the issue of our heart. I can fool you. You can fool me. We can fool each other all day long, but we cannot fool God with the motivations of our heart. Try as we might, God knows our heart. And because God knows our heart, we're going to have to allow him to do a little heart surgery this morning. We're going to have to let him kind of open us up and take a look around. We've got to see what comes out. Because really, that's the issue. What is it, the desire of our heart, especially when it comes to this area of material wealth, material things, the things that we desire, the things that we want, whether it's a thing or a person? What is the real, true condition. And so this morning we are going to be opening ourselves up and I would challenge you, maybe a couple of these you're going to say, well, that doesn't, nope, that one's not me. Nope, that one's not me. But maybe there's going to be one that you're going to say, wow, man, maybe, maybe this is true of me. Maybe I have more of a, a covetous heart, coveting heart. Man, I, I struggled, man, because I didn't know if I wanted to use coveting or covetousness. And I thought I'd have a lot of trouble with covetousness. But I'm having a lot of Hard time with coveting, too. That was a lot. Anyway, that was a little freebie. You guys write that one down. Practice the word later on your own or whatever. But we're going to define this morning coveting this way. Coveting is desiring something so much that we lose our contentment with God. Desiring something so much that we lose our contentment with God. And so as we open up our hearts this morning, we're going to have to come to some face-to-face with maybe some of these truths in our life. And so the first incision that we're going to allow God to make us on us this morning is found in Luke 12. In Luke 12, in verse 15, it says this. First, Jesus is teaching. And he's got this guy who kind of yells out from the crowd, Lord, why don't you tell my brother to divide the inheritance between us? And Jesus kind of just responds with, you know, look, man, I'm not the arbiter between you guys. But Jesus, being Jesus wants to take this and seize this moment as a teachable moment. So he says, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You see, a lot of times we think that the more things we have, it's easier to be satisfied. These things that we want, these things that we desire, if we just had them, we would truly be satisfied. But coveting does not bring satisfaction. The abundance of the things we have, Jesus tells us, that doesn't make up who we are. 
That'll never satisfy us. They don't define us, but we always want more. And we want more. And we want more. And we want more. We start to covet. We want things that aren't ours. We want to be, we just want to have more possessions, more money, whatever it is. But see, we know that there are enough miserable people, rich people in this world to know that that's not true. Now, if you're rich this morning, I'm not calling you miserable. Because there's a lot of great, generous, rich people as well. But there's a lot of rich people who go, well, if I just had a little bit more, that would be enough. If I just had a little bit more, that would be enough. Last couple of years, there's been a gentleman in the, in the news, Bernard Madoff. Bernard Madoff thought, man, if I just had a little bit more, man, people are really looking at me thinking that I'm something. I'm some sort of great investor here, but he was a crook. He was a liar. He was a cheater. He embezzled billions, billions of dollars from thousands of investors. Well, did Mr. Madoff look at himself in the mirror every morning? And think, man, I'm doing such a great job. Man, people should, people should, that's what he wanted people to think. He puts up this wall and says, look, here's what I look like, everybody. But the problem is when, when we start cutting through the heart of Mr. Madoff, we, I don't know his entire story. I don't, was it just greed? I don't know. But because Mr. Madoff embezzled billions, he's spending the rest of his life behind bars. He got a 150-year prison term. The rest of his life will be served behind bars. I wonder if just a little bit more matters now. You see, we see these people, we have these examples, but we really don't learn from them. We should learn from them, but we really sometimes don't. Instead, sometimes we, we begin to emulate people, right? Man, I, I wish I had that car. I wish I had my neighbor's house, my neighbor's wife, my neighbor's manservant. We don't have any manservants or maidservants anymore. Ox, donkey. I wish I had the, the means like my, my neighbor has. I wish I had the income that he has to have the things that he has. But a lot of times we're not willing to put in the work sometimes that people did to get the things that they got. We just want what they have without the work. You see, ultimately it's our heart. We think that these things will bring us satisfaction, but they don't. So remember, coveting is desiring something so much that you lose your contentment in God. The second incision that we're making this morning comes from Mark chapter 4. And here, Jesus is teaching the parable of the sower. He is teaching this parable, and he begins to tell tell the disciples and those listening that as a farmer went out to spread some seed, some of that seed fell on a path. And when it fell on the path, birds came in and quickly gobbled up the seed. Some of that same seed fell on rocky places where there wasn't soil. And it certainly started to maybe take a little bit of root through these rock, this rocky place. But it didn't have enough soil to really take root and become a full plant. So when that sun came up, it withered it. Other seed fell among thorns, whereas it started to grow. As this plant started to grow, it was quickly choked out by the thorns. And then some seed fell on the good good soil, Jesus tells us. He then goes on to interpret this parable for his listeners. And he says that some of the seed that falls on the path is where the word is sown. And as soon as some people hear that word, Satan comes in and he takes it away. Others 
like the seed that's sown in rocky places, hear the word and receive it joyfully. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Others, like the seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. And here's what it says in verse 19. But the worries of this life, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. You see, when we covet things that are not ours, sometimes it can choke our spiritual life. Anybody, anybody ever choke on anything before? It's scary. It can be extremely scary when you can't breathe. But that's what coveting things that don't belong to us, that does to our spiritual life. It chokes it. It doesn't allow it to breathe. So this morning, if you're not experiencing spiritual life, you may be succumbing to the worries of this world. You may be given in to the deceitfulness of wealth. You may be desiring for things that don't satisfy. And pretty soon what we do is we find ourselves in a place that we never thought we would be. We start finding ourselves drifting further and further away from the things of God. That's the power that coveting has. That's why God warned against us. Don't, only, don't do these things, but don't even desire them. Don't covet them. Don't think about them. It's dangerous. And when we lose our contentment in God, it's only natural. It's only natural that our spiritual light Our spiritual life suffers as well. We've got to find our contentment in God, not coveting or desiring things. The third incision that we're making this morning comes from the book of James. And in James chapter 4, it says this, You want something, but don't get it. You desire something, but you don't get it. So here's what happens when you desire something and you don't get it. We're saying that it opens up opens up the door to other sins. Because here's what James says. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You see, the desires that are not, the desires that are not of God, the things that we want, the things that we go after that are not uh, from God, we, we start thinking of those things more than we start thinking of the things of God. And so it causes us to do all these other things that are sin. We find ways of getting what we want, don't we? And oftentimes those means of getting the things that we want, the things that we desire, are often other sins. We have to do these other sins in order to achieve those things. We have some biblical examples. In the book of Joshua, we we read... Where, where God is, is sending the Israelites out and, and he's, he's telling them that victory is theirs and they're preparing to go into battle. And at one point in, in, in this battle, God says, listen, victory is yours. Here's the thing. Don't take anything. Destroy everything. The spoils of war are not for you. Don't touch them. Don't keep them. Do nothing. And so we, re- we read how the Israelites, I mean, they're going out confidently that their God has already told them and and promised them victory. And they lose. And we read where Joshua goes and talks with God. 
It's basically what happened. You told us it was ours, and we lost. And, Jesus, and God has to, to break the news to him that sin is in the camp. We read of a, the, the story of a man named Achan who took some of the plunder, some of the spoils of that war, and he kept it for himself. You see, when we, when we break God's covenant, God uses means to bring us back. We also read the story of David. David one day is looking out across the city. And there he sees beautiful Bathsheba. And he desires her. He wants her. He's going to have her. And so he commits adultery. He coveted first in his heart her. Other sins followed. He committed adultery in order to have her. He then had her husband murdered to try to cover it up. Do you see when we open up this door, we allow Satan to come in. And he wreaks havoc in our life. Coveting can be a breeding ground for thousands and thousands of sin. We have got to pay attention. Now, if we're noticing in our life where some of these sins may be kind of cropping up, man, we got we to watch out. We got to look and go, okay, is the root, is the heart here? That, am I coveting after things? Is that why I'm doing this or I'm doing this or I'm experiencing this? Is it the heart? Do I, do I have a heart coveting after things that aren't, are not mine? We've got to pay close attention to the truth of, of who we are. But it may mean that we're desiring things, as we've been saying, so much. We want things so much that we're losing our contentment in God. The fourth and final incision that we're making this morning is found in 1 Timothy 6. And the truth that we learn in 1 Timothy 6 is that coveting things, coveting after things, can destroy the soul. It can destroy the soul. Picking up in verse 9, it says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. You know, the, the text here is saying, people who want to get rich, who want material wealth, who want things, we could say that these are the kind of things that, that drive them to ruin. Drive them to destruction. It's the want. It's the desire. This verse isn't simply just saying that these things can mess up your marriage or that these things can mess up your business or your family because certainly they can. We're going to learn here that this, this what, what, what Paul is ta- telling Timothy is this stuff can actually mess up your eternity. Coveting after things this way can actually mess up your eternity. We read in verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, pay attention right here, some people eager for money. We could also say eager for material wealth, material riches. Some people eager for this stuff have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We can actually wander from the faith as we are desiring things of this world. The riches, the promises of this world, we can actually wander from our faith. 
But thankfully, God's kind of gone the extra mile for us in the Bible. He's given us ways of avoiding this. Specifically, Paul, in his charge to Timothy in this passage, he's going to tell Timothy, Timothy, you're not going to operate this way. My people, God is telling us, my people, we are not going to operate this way. We're not going to go after and coveting after things and finding our desire in those things and finding our contentment in those things. No, contentment is only in God and God alone. Him first. So our response to coveting should be this. We find it in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. Paul saying to Timothy, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. The first thing we have to do when coveting is knocking at our door, we're sensing that we have this covetous spirit. The first thing we need to do is flee from it. And I don't know what that means for you, but we've got to flee from it. Flee the desires for this stuff. Flee the desires of more and more and more. If you're watching TV and those commercials are coming on and you're like, wow, I gotta have it, turn the TV off. Flee from it. If you're having conversations with somebody and they're talking about their vacations and now all of a sudden you think, well, I, I gotta have, well, I wanna really go on this vacation. I know I can't afford to go on this vacation. Flee from those kind of thoughts. Take captive those thoughts. Because those things, if we do not take them captive ourselves, they will take us captive. And we're going to find ourselves looking for satisfaction in things. Our spiritual life is going to be choked. Our souls are going to be damaged for eternity. And the door to other sins may be opening. So we've got to flee those desires. He goes on to tell Timothy, if we're going to flee from, there's some things that we need to do. Now, if we're not careful, all we're going to do is move from one thing right into another thing, right? That's often what we do. We jump from the frying pan into the fire. But instead, Paul's telling Timothy, you're going to flee these things, but I want you to follow this, Timothy. The second part of that verse, flee uh, from all this, and follow righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Flee these things. Follow these things. These things have eternal ramifications. These things should define who you are. These are godly characteristics. Godly characteristics that we need to emulate. Godly characteristics that need to define who we are, not the abundance of our possessions. And we do these things, we, we flee from, the, from, from this materialistic view, we follow these godly attributes so we can fight the good fight of the faith. So we can fight the good fight of the faith and take hold of eternal life. That's what we're after, folks. This, this is for eternity. This isn't just to, so my neighbor thinks I've got it all together. This isn't just because my coworkers need to think that I'm selling more than they are, so I'm pulling up in my new Mercedes. It's not about that. This is about eternity. This is about eternity. We need to fight the good fight of faith to take hold of eternal life. So as we flee, follow, and fight, ultimately, we're, what, we're, what we're doing and what we're gaining is contentment. 
That is the key to overcoming a covetous spirit. Contentment. And in verse, verse 6, Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I love this. He says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. We've all heard the, heard the little, ver- the little uh, 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 statement, oh, that's why there's no U-Hauls following a hearse, right? And we think that the per- people who say that are so wise. Well, they are wise because they got it from the Bible. God said it. We can't take anything with us. But oftentimes that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're gathering, we're consuming for ourselves. We can take, we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You see, it's the simple. It's the simple things where we will find true contentment. It's in the things of God that we will find true contentment. Even if it only consists of food and clothing, as the Word teaches. So we've got to be very careful as we see some of these truths, these realities in our life. We really need to be asking ourselves, is this, do I have a covetous heart? Do I continually desire things that are not mine? If we are, we need to ask God to come in, reveal those things to us, and help us flee. Help us follow the things that matter. And help us take hold of eternal life by fighting the good fight of faith. And this morning, I didn't think there was a better way of which we could really kind of encapsulate giving this stuff over to God than to share in communion with each other. This is an opportunity for us to to recognize and remember the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. So as you come up this morning and as you tear off a piece of bread, I'd invite you to remember that very sacrifice. That he, he, didn't, he didn't come and save us and sacrifice for us so we could have more stuff. He did that so we could have abundant life. And it's not the abundance of our possessions. It's the abundance of his love, his grace, his mercy, knowing that we'll be in relationship with him forever. That's what this is about. And so this morning as you come forward, uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, we, communion is open here at Element. Uh, the linchpin is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If, you don't, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, don't come up and, and take communion. But this is for those who have, who have uh, allowed Christ to come into their life, invited him in as their Lord and Savior. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, come up and talk with me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about that. But this is a time as a family of God where we get to celebrate the work that he did on the cross. And it's a time where we come face to face with the reality of who we are. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'd invite you, as Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians about the, about the, the Last Supper, of, of really examining our hearts. And while we're sitting here this morning, may it quiet yourself. Examine your heart. And if God reveals anything that you have to ask forgiveness for, ask forgiveness. 
Mean it from your heart and you'll be forgiven completely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you know us and you know our hearts better than we know ourselves. Lord, you know those things that are a stumbling block for us. You know those things, Lord, that get our attention and and draw us away from you at times. But Lord, this morning, Father, we want to come to you as your children. Father, seeking your face in all that we do, not being overcome by the desires of this world, not being overcome with the desires of others, but Father, being overcome by you. Lord, as we prepare ourselves to partake of this bread and cup, we pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us those areas that we need to confess to you, that we need to seek your forgiveness. Father, we want to be your people. We want to live our lives pleasing to you, chasing after you. Father, we need you. And so we thank you right now for the gift that you've given us in Jesus Christ. May we not take it for granted. Father, may may that love and that sacrifice pierce us to know that there's nothing else in this life that matters besides a relationship with him. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.